Welcome to Untangling Christianity, episode number two. On this show, John and Greg take a shot at diffusing destructive ideologies, unsnarling confused ideas, and discovering the treasure in Christianity. This week, we're diving into the prologue of Not a Fan by Kyle Edelman, and we hope you'll come along for the ride. Show notes can be found and comments left at our website, which is at untanglingchristianity.com for this particular episode, slash two. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Greg. We're here to talk about Not a Fan, Becoming a Complete Committed Follower of Jesus by Kyle Edelman. This book was sent to me by a friend, highly recommended. We had been having a dialogue about uh, Christian faith and belief and other things, and his thought was that this book would kind of take me to the next level. So I got the book. I started flipping through it. I was immediately not sure this book was for me, kind of reading the back, though I was kind of interested to see that there were some notable well-known people that had endorsed it, Lee Strobel, as well as Max Lucado, Lucado, however you say his name. The more I read, the more I was just like, this sounds like and reads like way too much stuff heard in Christian University or ever since and often repeated in the evangelical church. And so I said to my good friend, Greg, Greg, we got to go through this book and you got to help me. Help me clarify what's going on here. Is there good stuff here? Is this just unhelpful and ultimately misleading, all kinds of good stuff. So as I've read, though, I will say there are parts of it that have caused me to pause and think um, more deeply about certain things. So hopefully we'll get to those in time. But our goal here is just to see if we can't walk, say, chapter by chapter, talk about what we see, pull out the good stuff, talk about the stuff that maybe we're not sure is right on and just kind of explore things, kind of have a dialogue. So, so far this has not been a dialogue. It's been me talking. So we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll toss it back to you, Greg. What, so we're going to start with, let's start, I guess, in the prologue. Um, yeah. Why don't we start with maybe your, your thought? I, uh, yeah, my initial kind of impression was, was, was not too good. And, and then, you know, I'll say at the at the end of the prologue, he finished really well. He's got this uh, sentence on the top of page 15. I will talk more about repentance than forgiveness, more about surrender than salvation, more about brokenness than happiness, and more about death than about life. And um, I mean, that's 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 I think that's really good. And and maybe uh, you know, in some ways, it strikes me as strange to say it, um, but it maybe talks a lot about the kind of culture that he's in and the crowd he's used to talking to. If you have to tell people that, because I, I don't know, my experience of life is that, uh, you know, it's not this, uh, <laughs> victorious living in Jesus. Like it just doesn't, things just don't go my way all the time, you know, or even, you know, partly my way all the time. Um, so, so I mean, uh, yeah, uh, the first comment I'd actually make is, is that the, the book so far is turning out to be better than I thought from when I first cracked the cover. Um, and I, I guess my my impression, I, I was trying to kind of feel him out. And the first thing that just, I mean, his second line in there, he's talking about more than 30,000 people coming to an Easter service. Now, granted, Easter is a pretty big you know moment, and if you're going to come out for 
just the holidays. You're going to hit Easter, but I just thought, like, what kind of place is this? 30,000 <laughs> <Yeah>. freaking people? <laughs> yeah, and on the back cover, it said that, you know, he's the pastor of the fifth largest church in America, and I thought, maybe that would be compelling to some people. To <laughs> me, not so much. <laughs> so maybe no. I'm the wrong audience for this book. I don't know. But, yeah. yeah, you know, going back to what you were saying about the last part of the prologue, part of me felt, kind of felt like that kind of fit Part of the the book just feels kind of drama. It hmm. just it feels like he's kind of being over the top, ironic, uh, kind of, almost for the shock value. Right. So to kind of end the prologue with this whole thing of you know, I'm not really going to give you like basically this book is not to make you feel good. Is you know most people read a book to feel better, get clear <laughs> on things, um, but. I don't know. Or maybe that's why I feel maybe like the book's trying too hard. It's kind of like, you know, yeah. get ready to read this because I'm going to really sock it to you, you know? Yeah. Well, there's that whole idea. I mean, at least I think I've experienced that in Christianity where, you know, it's kind of about getting kicked. You know, this is going to kick you. This is kind of going to give it to you. And, there, you know, there's certain kind of – there's a bounded set of like – uh, acceptable ways you can get kicked and things you can get kicked about. And, um, you know, like the book in a certain sense, isn't doing its job unless it's, it's given it to you, so to speak. Um, I guess my take on it was, I think we're, I, th I think there's something good about that in the sense that, um, I wonder if there isn't more of a, you know, this is just all working out for me with Jesus attitude you know, I wonder if that still isn't sort of the prevalent attitude that needs to be, in my mind, dethroned. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you that like, I don't think it is ultimately about kicking us. That's not what it's all about. And, and you know, you it, what do you mean it? Well, I don't think that's what Christianity's all about. So you know, I'm gonna. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm given dessert first here, or like uh, pointing up with the uh, the punchline right from the very beginning, but. You know, my, my orientation in terms of my life and my, my sincere, uh, um, interpretation of what, what Christianity is about is that it's this co-centrality with truth and love, love and truth. And, uh, you know, I, I think what, what people aren't getting, like, if I work with the kind of, you know, the book is fan or follower, basically. You know, who are you? And you better not be a fan or you shouldn't be a fan. And if I right. work with you're that, in one camp or the other, you can't be in both. Yeah, and I have a problem with that right from the beginning. I have a problem with his categories. I have a problem with the fact that there are only two. I have a problem with the fact that both follower and fan are, you know, one is bad, one is good, as opposed to, you know, are there good things and bad things in both, and are there more than just two? So there's no shades of gray. Yeah, there's no shades of gray, and, and I think the matter is a whole lot more complicated. I mean, when I – so, you know, he, he he's like – thinking he's sitting there on Friday saying, what am I going to say on Sunday to this, you know, these 30,000 people that are going to come through this place, either uh, physically or I don't know, maybe they've got, you know, people that link in somehow. And he's working out of uh, John six and he's struck by the fact that the crowds are there. And this is, you know, the, 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 the feeding of the 5,000 or the, the, the feeding of the numerous, you know, there's a couple feeding miracles where, uh, there's nearly there's tons of people, nearly nothing to eat, and all of a sudden Jesus makes like more than enough food, and we got leftovers to boot. And 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 kind of his approach in here is it's about the free food. 
And when you yes. read it, that's yeah. not what it's about at all. No, no. Yes, thank you. So She's that is my biggest frustration with books like this. Is yeah. it's the proof to me? I I don't know what else to call it except proof texting. You're yeah. you're looking for verses to back up your pet topic or what you think that God has told you to teach on, and so then you go through the Bible and you, the more verses you can pile on, the more it legitimate it makes your position legitimate. Exactly. Um, but that's totally what I found, and I haven't done very much study i have a concord not a i have a bible commentary mm-hmm. um zook what is it wolf wolverd and zook okay. um and yes the initial so on page on page 12 it is about the feeding of the 5000 but mm-hmm. on page 13 his whole punchline is that once you know once the people realized, once basically, once it be, it became clear that these people are quote fans, um, they don't want to follow Jesus anymore. Well, yeah. <laughs> spending five minutes in this commentary, <laughs> John six sixty six is talking about like some serious things. Like mm-hmm. they thought Jesus, they wanted Jesus to be a king, and they wanted Jesus yes. to be all the other things. Mm-hmm. So. For me, when I read a book like this, you immediately start to lose me, and my trust and my confidence in the author goes way down when I start to see these things that I perceive. Now, maybe this is cynicism. Maybe I'm not – I don't know what <laughs> – maybe this is a problem I'm bringing to the situation. But when I see stuff like that, I immediately just think, well, what else in this book are you just kind <laughs> of – you know, yeah. are you just – you know? trying to force your own agenda on me or is this really what was going on yeah so what would what, what are your yeah, thoughts it, there exactly well yeah i mean just as you said like like he he starts out with the feeding which is the beginning of john 6 and then at john 14 and 15 i mean that's where things kind of turn right because uh in 12 in verse 12 he's talking about gather up the fragments so that nothing may be lost and they gather them up and realize how much there was left over from what the you know and everybody had already been fed and so 14. That's where we, that's, that's where the things, where things turn with the people. Because in John 5, what he had done is he's got, he's coming into Jerusalem. He's gone to, uh, Bethsaida or Bethsaida, however you pronounce it. And, uh, you know, the pools of water where these invalids and, uh, you know, ill people would, uh, wait for a disturbance in the pool to then go into the pool. And the idea was that, you know, they, they would be, uh, they would or may be healed through this disruption, which was maybe angelic or whatever. Um, but it's Jesus interacting with this guy. He's healing this guy. So he's done this. It's the same, it's the same format in five as in six, five, you know, people are there. There is a need, right? This guy, these people are, are lame and that they should be whole in six. These people are, are, they've got no food and they're, they're here. They're participating and I, I want to feed them. And in and, and five, he makes the man well, and then there's there's all of this, um, you know, the religious leaders are just like, what are you doing? You can't be carrying your mat. Who told you to carry that mat? Who healed you? What is going on here? And and they're they're completely. And Jesus is like, whoa, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. You're you're totally out to lunch, and you're trusting in Moses, and by which he means, you know, the, the Mosaic law that you've received, and, and that's not where you should be putting your marbles. I'm the guy. And he does exactly the same things in John, the cusp, uh, John 6. And the cusp in John 6 where things switch over is 14 and 15. So 14, when the people saw the sign, so, you know, they've gathered up. They're like, they've already eaten. 
And then he's gathering all these extras. Whoa. When they saw the sign um, that, that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. I'm reading from the NRSV, by the way. Um, and then in 15, when Jesus realized that they were going about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So, you know, it's not that they're fans and they can't be followers. It's that they see Jesus, like they've got it partly right, right? He's a prophet. Sure, he's prophetic. But he's more than that. Mm. He should be our king. He will be. But he will be more than that. You know? And, and, and not in the way that you're intending. Right? right? So, I guess this is... Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with this guy's message of, of wanting to be a follower of Jesus. And he, he talks about, like, on page 13, he, he kind of comes to his, his realization. That I'm talking about Kyle, the author of the book. Is that his? Yeah, Kyle. Uh, it wasn't the size of the crowd Jesus cared about. It was their level of commitment. Um, which, you know. But is good. that even it? Like, so there's, there is that whole message throughout this book of commitment. Like, how mm. committed are you? Are you committed enough? Mm-hmm. Um, he had one part that I found disturbing, which was, uh, your level of commitment can be measured by how much pain you're in. Uh, <laughs> like, how much suffering you are. Like, Woo. like, if your relationship with, with, uh, God or Jesus is right on, like you really be suffering. So if you're not suffering, you might want to question the level of your commitment. That's to me, right. there's something now, granted, I've heard that taught, oh, since college and before and since, and yeah, that some to me is missing or backwards in that, but yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That theme of commitment and how committed are you? runs throughout the book. Now, that's one of the things, though, that kind of struck me, because I was, I promised my friend that I would read this, that I would read the book to the end, and I would read it with as much of an open mind as I could. So Mm. to do that, I basically read and took a pencil, and I've got huge circles and notes and everything throughout the book. Yeah. Um, But that is one, so... I do think there is something to that notion of how committed you are, because if Mm -hmm. you're if you are on the fence, if you're not willing to throw yourself all the way in and be 100% committed, mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. – I can see that you would be at a disadvantage and you may not You may not be getting everything you're seeking in, in a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. My, I think my stumbling point sometimes, though, is – I I feel like I need more or I'm looking to put together some other pieces to know exactly what I'm committing to and I'm nodding my why head. I'm committing. I'm so nodding my head. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so so there's the so yeah, so there's a lot of nuance here. Now and maybe and maybe again, maybe I just have too much knowledge and training and, and growing up in the circles that I did that Hmm. That makes sorting this out more difficult, but hmm. I don't know what. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, because I guess that there's that. <laughs> I would still come back to that my my orientation towards love and truth, and say that you know, um, it wasn't the size of the crowd that Jesus cared about. It was a level of commitment. Jesus just cared about the people, like like full stop. Like if we want to work through this. You know, like, this is the part that, 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 that's, that's really essential, that, 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 that God loves us deeply. And, and, 
you know, to, there has to be a way on, on, you know, there's a, there's a kind of a mutual, there's a dual responsibility, right? And on one hand, God really has to love me. God claims to do so. God really must do so. On the other hand, there's a responsibility on my, my part to understand, you know, how might it be that God, you know, what, what are the kind of modes of God's love and how, how might that be perceived and, how might, you know, what do I have to do? You know, if I, if, in other words, if I want to go see the doctor, I, I got to show up at his office or hope he's going to come to my place. It's not just going <laughs> to magically happen, right? right? I've got some responsibility to add to kind of figure out what the rules are, rules in quotation marks, right? I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm playing that one pretty loosely. Um, you know, what the modes of interaction are is a better way to put it. And then to say, okay, where do I want to fall on that? You know, and, and where's God? Like, has God shown up? You know, and it's not all about me kind of trying to hunt down God. So when he's talking about this, like, you know, uh, he, he's creating, a, he's, again, he's creating another sort of uh, antithesis or, or binary relationship that's enclosed within a much larger set, set of considerations, you know, like, i.e., I, you know, what's God's initial orientation to me? Why, why does he care either about my commitment or my size? Well, because he loves me, you know, whether there's 50 people or th- that are really committed or 5,000 people, he loves them all the same. He doesn't mm. love them differently, you know, mm-hmm. and it's that, it's, it's that sort of thing that brings me into it. So in other words, th- th- there's nothing in that. Like, why would you, why, why did you come? Why did these people come? He says they came for a free meal. Uh, John six, whom he's quoting says that, that, you know, what they were really in it for beyond a certain point was, and you know, the, the free meal was incidental, right? They, they didn't know they were going to get a free meal until they got it. They came there to listen to Jesus for some reason. They're looking for something, right? And, and, and the actual expression in John 14 kind of, kind of makes it out a little clearer. This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. So they have this sense of, hey, this guy's really important. Not just he's going to give us a free meal. He's really important for some reason. And he's important enough and in the, in the particular way that he will be a, we're going to take him and make him king. He's going to, he's going to deal with the political, economic, and social issues that we have. And what Jesus is saying is, you know, political, social, and economic issues are crucial. They're really important. But I'm here for the reason that's announced at the beginning of Mark, the beginning of Matthew, the beginning of Luke. I'm here to inaugurate the kingdom of God. That is my job. That is what I'm here for. You know, and, and within that, a whole bunch of things are going to happen. But the orientation that Jesus has, why is he even there in the first place? What, what, why, did, why are we bothering? I mean, go back a few chapters... And, and, you know, or look to the end zone of uh, any uh, NFL football game. Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It's God's love that is the reason why Christ came, why Jesus came. And it is, it's Jesus' love that allows him to fulfill, to act out in obedience towards um, what needs to happen. And if that's the part, that's the part that's the hook. So it's not like, you know, do you want to be... It doesn't make sense otherwise. No, and that's that's what I feel like is missing from this book. There, there is no that's as I kept reading. So as I read it along, and it was like you know you need to be more committed, you need to be suffering, you need to, and some of the subsequent chapters, uh, which hit me a little weird, but I'm trying to be open to it. Was the whole na- notion of basically you need you need to just become a slave to Jesus. And, but I kept asking myself, okay, why? I mean, I kind of know the why, but, but, 
But what is, and this, this probably comes across the wrong way, but like, what's in it for me? Like, exactly. why? that sounds so horrible. It sounds so selfish, but like, why? This... I mean, the Todd, like the, no, no, no. It's you love God for not, you love God for nothing. No, no, you love, you love God. And this is in the book too, which I always just kind of accepted, but have since questioned recently, which is this whole notion of, no, the fact that Jesus died means that you have to love him. In other words, he gave his life for you, so the least you could do is believe in him and trust him and accept him. See, that's um, such crap. And like, that's that's not a love relationship. That might no. be a contract. Right. Yes. But but yes. love relationships aren't based on quid pro quo. Right. And then there's also the other notion which I think comes up in chapter one, which is I, I'm gonna skip ahead because I just have to. I think it's it. on page twenty one he talks about, okay. you know, that really the most important question in life is what if there really is a heaven and really is a hell and where will I spend eternity comes down to this one question. Um, yeah, I see that there. So now granted, would I agree that it all comes down to that one question? I mean, I, I yeah, I, I would agree that it depend. it comes down to where do you want to spend eternity? Sure. I think that's a good question, but is that, is that really the crux of it? Like get out of yeah. it's basically Jesus a get out of hell card, so I don't know the whole thing is just kind of mixed up to me. So, but going back to page thirteen, I mm. think this is it. So this is where this is where I feel like there's good stuff in here, but then he takes a left turn that I can't quite go along with him. So top of thirteen, he says Jesus says I am the bread of life. Suddenly Jesus is the only thing on the menu. The crowd has to decide if he will satisfy or if they are hungry for something more. Here's what we read at the end of the chapter, which I think is taken completely out of context. From this time, many of his disciples turned, he's quoting John 6, 66. Mm -hmm. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. One sentence, no context. I don't, I think he misses the mark there. And then he follows on with many of the fans, the fans turned to go home. I was struck by the fact that Jesus doesn't chase after them. I liked, so the, I thought that was an interesting insight. And then on the subsequent page, he talks about how he's realized that um, hmm. that he doesn't need to convince people to follow Jesus or that they need Jesus. And I would wholeheartedly agree with him there. I don't know. Maybe that's helpful to some people, but I think that that, I don't know, sometimes people have to kind of get there on their own. And mm-hmm. then I think there's, too, this whole notion that God pursues us, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. And I, I, I'm going to fl- flip a little earlier. You're, you're kind of, you know, something was missing with this and the whole yeah, yeah, go back. commitment piece. And like, it was striking to me that, that I mean, he, he's got at the beginning of his, the first paragraph of the, of the prologue, and he's got it in um, italics. And he's like, what could I say to get their attention, to make my message more appealing, to be a big hit? The other thing he says is get people talking. Now, I thought get people talking is really important. But the other ones I thought, man, I don't, like, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, what, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, and maybe that would be a little bit more, maybe he gets into that later on the book. Maybe he says, here's why I'm a minister. Here's why I do this. Here's what, what it does for me. But I, I guess I can't understand being um, oriented towards God, calling myself a Christian, if that love relationship is not 
primary. You know, if it's not real, in in the in the sense that I'm best able to describe it or or authenticate it, maybe is a better word, as real. And then if it is real in that way, why that would not be like, what do I want to talk to people about? I want to talk to people about the things in my life that are exciting, that I'm passionate about, that are just like blowing me away in terms of just being wonderful and, and amazing. And, and, and that's it. You know, that is it. It's, it's the fact that, that, that there in, in, in some very real ways, my life has been altered by coming by a series of events that I can only describe as uh, that, that it's only kind of morally reasonable, if I can put those things together, to describe as God, you know, in the context in which they happened. And they were deeply, deeply, um, if, if you like, messages or uh, understandings that, that I brought out of those uh, experiences, they were deeply oriented towards love and deeply oriented towards truth. And those things are incredibly gripping. Now, wind, un, unwind that a little bit more. You've said that a couple of times that, that truth and love, mm. I, I hear you holding those, those as the highest ideals or the highest, the most important message of Christianity. And what would you base that on? Where, where do you get those ideas from? Um, I think in two places. Um, first of all, in my, my experience, uh, really my experience of God, my experience of um, experiencing God through other people, uh, seeking God, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, uh, in my own life and through, you know, abuse issues, uh, really tough times. And, uh, this is an entirely another, <laughs> another full conversation. Um, I, I, and, and also, yeah, I don't know how to say it, whether it's, uh, well, I, I'll be straight. I'll, be, I'll just be straight with you. I, I find it in my experience and I find it, you know, uh, I remember one of those exercises you gave me a long time ago about having a, a, a an important question and just asking why. Oh yeah. The, the, yes. Ask, ask why. And then ask why like three or four more times. Exactly. Yeah. And you, if you get to, you know, three, usually for me, it was about four or five, sometimes six layers deep. Yes, completely where uh, you did not expect to end up. I don't have, I don't have, like, once you get to that level of depth, there's nothing more to say about it, right? There, I, I'm not, I'm not appealing to any other source. You know, why do you like this? Well, because I, I uh, like the feeling I have, da, 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 da. well, why is that? And eventually you get to that place where what you're saying, what you're expressing really are your bedrock understandings about what life is about. So I'll, I'll be dead honest with you. I'll be dead, dead, dead honest with you. Um, I'm not going through the Bible verse by verse and coming up with this sort of notion about, oh, God is love and God is truth. In a certain sense, I've done that reflect after the fact, after having had some experiences that I think are deeply of God. And I think, I think most Christians would probably agree with me if they knew what those experiences are. I'm not going to bring those out now. But others but, would, but I think others would say that's really suspect. In other words, um, yeah, I know. There are Buddhists. There are Buddhists that would say that their experience of their experience of Buddhism is very real and very whatever it is, and therefore it's true for them. Cool. 
I, I, yeah, but then we're, we're, we're talking about decide, these, these truth and truth for me ideas. Um, I, I would go with that. I would go with that for them. Um, my question would be, and I guess the other part of it. So on the one hand, it's my experience of God and my experience in kind of assessing who I am. And the other part of that uh, has been philosophical and looking at, you know, what are these notions about? What, what is love about? What is truth about? And so, you know, in, in some of the, in some of the, like when I mentioned earlier, love doesn't work that way. You know, um, I'm coming at it both from my experience, but also looking at it philosophically. And again, you know, yeah, Christians would find that to be, oh, that's very sketchy. But this book is so, like this book is, is big on the Christian horizon. And you're having a hard time finding something about love in this guy's orientation. Man, if you cannot, as a minister, tell me something that's going to grab me, like it's not about searching for it, man. If you if you don't have it, and this is why I'm saying it's 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 key. It's intrinsic to human nature, right? You look at people. What are people looking for? They're looking for love. They're looking for something that you know might we might argue about. Oh, that's not love for you, or that's not love for me. But it's certainly something that's on the horizon that people are. You know, songs about it, et cetera, et cetera, movies about it. It's part of who we are as human beings. And to find a book written by someone who is an adherent to a religion with a God who the only substantive in the Bible, the only true substantive in the Bible, God is love. And it's not, it's not like all over the place. You want to know why I'm a follower? Because I'm, I'm in love. Hmm. I'm in love. That's what it's about. You want something that's going to grip you, that's going to wake you up at night? That's what it is. It's it's not it's not about duty. It's so not, it's not sold, about duty. So it's not soldiering on or becoming more committed or trying harder. I I think it's it's like your you know your best relationships that you have, and when things go wrong, and you make a mistake in that relationship. When I make a mistake in the relationship, the first thing that comes to my mind is not I have committed a wrong, but I have, I have, I have fallen out of relationship with the person, this person that I am deeply in love with and I am gutted. You know, hmm. sin is not counting your wrongs. It's, it's, it's looking at a relationship that you so want to have deeply interwoven with who you are and realizing that you have made, taken strides to cut those cords. That the thing you want the most, you've undone. What a fool are you? What a jackass. You know, help me. I'm so sorry. I love you. You know, every time you go back, it's, I love you. What have I done? Hmm. How foolish of me. And if, if that's not part of it, like, in other words, if that's not the core of it, then for me, I just, I just don't understand. Honestly, it's, it's, it's this, uh, it's this duty-bound sort of um, way of seeing the world that I just don't want to be part of. You know, and I guess that's why, for me, it's about the why questions, too. You know, where do you fall? But I think if, if people are falling to duty, if, they're, if they have uh, an important question and they follow that little process we talked about of asking why questions, and, and maybe one of their answers is that, that duty is the most important thing, I, I think there's something below that. If somebody mm. says to me, because I, I desire deeply to be loved and to love, then I would say, man, we're in exactly the same place. We are kin. 
but I think that the object of your desire and the fulfillment of it is found more in Christianity than in any place else. Let me tell you why. Do it. That's, that's how I would write the book. If it were my book, you know, not a fan, not a follower, I'm in love. And if you don't think love's important, yeah, if you don't think love's important, then okay, fine. We, we maybe don't have much to talk about. Or you might say, hey, I'm kind of doubtful, Greg. I don't really think you're in love. Okay, doubt me. You, yeah, but you, only you can say. Yeah, that's yeah. That's like telling well, someone that they don't feel something. You don't yeah, really feel that, that way. It's not, it, it's, maybe it's not. It's not. It's groundless, or there's, there's not enough to base it on. Or that's cool. I guess my point is, I don't think there are too many people. Like when it's just so funny because it just it just dovetails with everything he's trying to do. Like on the one hand, he's trying to find something that's gonna that's gonna catch people's. What get their attention? Be more appealing. Be a big hit. These are his words, and you know, I, what else are you going to do? What's going to be more appealing? What's going to be more part of people? So, so I'm perfectly willing to run the risk that somebody says to me, "Love, don't need it. Don't want it. Not interested. Thank you. Take your stuff, and and I'll take my stuff." Okay, cool. You do that. My bet is you're lying. Whether you're lying to me. Or to me and yourself, no problem. But that's your call to make. But but I'll go with the gamble that that is number one on the agenda. So when you're talking earlier about what's in it for me, boom, hello. <laughs> like, come on, people, bloody well smarten up. You know, like, that I just sounds so selfish. But 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 what happens in love? What happens in love? Like I remember my friend, my good good friend, and 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 she. Uh, great woman, and uh, she started seeing this guy that I hadn't met yet, and I, I got a chance to catch up with her, and uh, she, I said to her, so, Ruth, tell me about this guy. And she said to me, I like who I am when I'm with him. And it is exactly the same thing with God. I love God. I love the self I am becoming in loving God. I love who I am becoming in being with God. That's huge. Hmm. That's huge. Like you want to talk about who do you want to be? I, I want to be somebody I'm I'm I like. I'm proud of. I admire. I respect. I want to be somebody that based on who I am and how I act, I sleep well at night. Like you want to, you want to do something. You want, you want something that's, that, that 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 attracts people and that's really appealing to people. Boom! How do you get that? I'm in a love relationship where I am being transformed into the person I most want to be. Wow! Like there is no loving God for naught. Loving God for without purpose, or just you know loving God, and it, it's all sort of. Uh, you know, it's a list of stuff you're giving up or how you're getting screwed over. It's not that. Like, if you're doing that, you, you, it's obviously not a love relationship. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure how you, how you can reflect back on what are clearly the first and second, uh, most important priorities for Christians. You know, love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not sure how you can be doing either one of those. If, 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 if this whole kind of, 
scenario with God is about pain and anguish. You know, um, the pain and the anguish and the suffering and all of these things are secondary to um, being to 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 loving God and and loving the effect, the outworking of loving God in your own life. So, would you say though that, and what you're saying though, it sounds like love is a feeling. I'm thinking of I think it's M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. He says love is a decision. Love isn't always a feeling. It's a, mm-hmm. there is an aspect of commitment that absolutely. I think so. And so, you know, the idea that it, that love is a feeling, I, I think my hunch is rather people say, Oh, it's not a feeling. It's a, it's a decision. It's a choice. It's an obligation. It's whatever. And it both is and prompts other things. You know, that, okay, so uh, it's not one thing; it's many things. It, there are many aspects to it. Yeah, I wish I could. Uh, I will have to talk about this again more because I, I wrote about this in my uh, my thesis, and I, I, it was one of the parts that I really liked. I really liked doing it, and could have got way, way, way sidetracked in it. But um, but no, I don't think it's just it's just feeling. You know, I don't always feel it that way, but I, I do think that that it will always come back to that. It should never, in other words, uh, you know, be something like, oh, yeah, I remember when I first became a Christian and I used to feel like I love God. And, well, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's just an early thing. I'm like, no, man, that's called something that's working. That's that's something where there is still a relationship. You know, if that's gone completely, then you, you really need to look at what you're doing. Well, why are you still in it? It's just all about you working? That's not how it works. I mean, would you would you take that in a in a in a marriage relationship? Would you go twenty, thirty years, and it's just all about you working, or or would you begin to question that? I think most of us would question it, and I think where we don't, uh, maybe we're breaking another commandment: love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't seem like we're loving ourselves very much if all we you know, if all we can see see that our value is is to uh, kind of uh, slug it out, you know. So I think it's, I think there's always this kind of this cyclical thing or, I don't know, m- multiple phases within this sort of relationship, but I think it has to, and, and there's also, there's also testimony. I mean, testimony is a, is a legitimate way of understanding the world. And so even if for one person, you know, at this particular moment, everything to do with, let's say their relationship with God feels like, you know, duty and obligation. There are still, and I think this is one of the values of Christians, one of the valuable things about them coming together, is hopefully there are other people that you are in, one is in relationship with, who can, who are in different moments of that type of relationship with, that relationship with God and can, can kind of speak to that and, 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 you know, it's enheartening. It's like, yeah, I remember that, or, you know, it hasn't been like that for a little bit, or whatever, and, and, and you can kind of take that on and, and in a sense, who knows? Maybe that fuels something. Maybe that fuels a bit of a return. In all honesty, I'm going to come back to those two things every single time, love and truth. And I think you're right on the money when you're trying to get me to flesh those out. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll No, and I think I think one thing to clarify, too, is we're not 100% in agreement maybe on each other's positions. And that's mm-hmm. the, that's, that's totally okay. Like the whole mm-hmm. purpose of this is to have a dialogue and to explore and find the truth. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so leave a comment on iTunes or at the website, which is always at untanglingchristianity.com slash, and then the episode number, in this case, episode number two. We also welcome your questions and comments by email. Send those to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Tune in next week for a new episode. Music on this podcast is made available by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Thanks to Kevin for his generosity. Support him at his website by going to Incompetech.com. I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot com.